Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Stephen, as he was stoned, and a young man whose name was Saul at that time, held the coats of the people who did the stoning. Paul, uh, Saul, you remember, finally became the person that we call Paul. Paul means little man. I don't know if he were small in stature, but God gave him the name little man, maybe to cut him down to size since he had thought of himself as being such a mighty person. But there are many people who believe that Paul was was a very small individual. And God gave him the name to fit his, his personality as well as his physique. But this stoning made quite an impression upon our man Paul. And as we began to read in the 8th verse, and Saul or Paul, was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the region of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentations over him. But as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. The people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracle which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsy and that were lame were healed, and there was great joy in that city. There was a man called Simon Magus. I put the word Magus in. I'll tell you about that in a moment. Which before time in the same city used sorcery, and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one, to whom also, or to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And to him they had regard, because that of long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. But when they believed Philip's uh, preaching, The things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them, they might receive the Holy Ghost, for as yet he had fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon, Magus, saw that through laying on 
one of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered the money, saying, Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness, and pray God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Then answered Simon and said, Pray to the Lord for me, that none of these things which ye have spoken come upon me. May the Lord add his blessing to this word. Let us pause for prayer. Our Father, may our hearts and minds now be clear and open that we might be receptive to your word. May the experience of this man of whom we shall speak this morning be vivid enough in our minds and hearts to cause us to see our relationship to you in a new and fresh way. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The persecution of the early church by Saul, soon to become Paul, was very great. He went wherever he could and he found Christian people and he persecuted them. He put them in, in bonds and he took them to prison. As a matter of fact, he was responsible for the death of many Christian people. He really thought he was doing the will of God. But Stephen has passed from the scene, for he has been stoned, and Paul has just been introduced. But our emphasis this morning is not upon Paul. I'm going to preach about Paul this evening when I talk about a missionary being converted. But there is a man who was one of the deacons that rises up as a great preacher by the name of Philip. But the scripture, as you noted, as I read, and I tried to emphasize it in the inflection of my voice to make the point, that the people of the church were dispersed. They scattered all over the country to escape the persecution of Paul and others. All scattered with the exception of the apostles. And this meant the deacons scattered as well. You see, it's only the preachers that stood firm. The deacons scattered. They ran when tough times got tough, you see. But the Lord put them out there to go into diverse parts of the country for a purpose. And Philip was scattered, if you please. Philip was sent to Samaria. Samaria, if you recall your map, was the central part of the country in which dwelt a great number of half-breed people. Those that were half-Jew and half-whatever were living in, in the area of Samaria because the Jew would not have anything to do with those who had, had tainted their uh, history with marrying into other nations. But here they were living there, and Philip goes there to preach. A great revival broke out. Great numbers of people were being saved as a result of Philip's preaching. Now in Samaria then we find a person named Simon. 
There were many people named Simon, and we're not talking of Simon Peter. That's why I use the term Simon Magus, or to put it in proper terms, Simon the Magician. In history, he is known as Simon Magus. You can find him in secular history, and I'll tell you a little about him as we go along. All we know about the man is what we, uh, uh, from the scripture is what is listed here. But he was a magician. He put himself up as representing God. He said that he had been sent from God and the people believed him. He performed all kinds of, quote, miracles, sleights of hand, what looked like something marvelous. He was a person who had gathered a tremendous following and now enters Peter into his domain and starts preaching the gospel and people start turning from this pagan religion, from, from all of the sorcery that, he was in, that Simon was engaged in and started believing what Philip was preaching, the real gospel. Simon was losing his following to Jesus Christ. And the scripture says that Simon also believed. And the man was baptized. My, what a victory. I'm sure the church shouted from the rooftops. The most wicked person in the whole country has been converted. This is what would happen in our congregation if the most wicked person in this community came to this church and one day walked down the aisle. We would hear shouts across this congregation that would not quit. And we would hear it talked about on the streets that the most wicked person who, who was the leader of the underworld in the community had come to Christ. We hear these things happening once in a while. And what a shout would go up. What a victory had taken place. Don't be too sure. It's not what one says with his mouth that makes him saved. It's what one does in relationship to Jesus Christ in his heart. And here comes the difference. Here's a man who makes a marvelous profession of his faith. He shakes up the whole community. And he certainly excites the church. He says he believed and he was baptized. I wonder how many Simon Magus I have baptized in my ministry. How many people have I baptized who with their mouth professed Jesus Christ, but with their heart it was still black with sin? Who was still following Satan and his evil ways, even though he was pretending to say to the church and to the community, I believe, baptize me too. And so the church and any preacher can do nothing more than take a man at his word, just as the church did, just as Philip did, and they baptized him. He became a part of the church. He attended the services. But he really wasn't sincere. He had lied. How many people in this congregation are baptized sinners doomed for hell. I don't know. We don't know. For you see, we can only take you at your word and respond, the church, 
can only respond what one says and proceed accordingly. But the thing that we must never forget, that God above sees through all of the charades. God above sees through all of our pretenses. He knows the condition of our heart. And it is not by our church membership that we're saved. It's not by the waters of baptism that we're saved, even though there are some people who don't teach that. It's by what takes place in the heart of a man that saves him. Has he responded and yielded his life to the Lord Jesus Christ? Has he been, quote, baptized by the Spirit, not baptized by the water? Well, it doesn't take long until one's identity really begins to show forth. And when Jesus said, By their fruit ye shall know them, he knew exactly what he was talking about. It is not what we say, but what we are. And we will be known for what we are more than for what we say. You say, You can fool me, and I can fool you, and we can fool each other by our good looks, by our fine appearance, by our clean looks but somewhere down the line the real person is going to stand up the real person is going to come out from behind the mask and be seen for what he is the person who sits so fine in church on Sunday morning but takes the name of the Lord God in vain on Monday morning had better be careful, his identity is being revealed. But whether or not he ever reveals it to you and to me makes a little difference. It's all open to God. <coughs> Simon Magus is a man who threw up the sign, said, I'm saved. Hallelujah, I believe. I want to be baptized. I want to be a part of the church. I want everybody to know that I have changed my life. And all the time he's watching Philip, the others, Peter, John. He's seeing what they're doing. Those guys are performing miracles. They do things that I couldn't do. I mean, I know that man was lame and now he's walking. How'd they do that? I see them lay their hands on people and they're full of the Holy Spirit. How did they do that? The scripture says, as a man believeth in his heart, so is he. So he comes one day to the apostles and said, Hey, I'll pay you a thousand dollars if you'll give me that same power. Would you do it too? I want to be able to lay my hands, he says, on those people and they get the Holy Spirit. I want to be able to say, stand up and walk. And you stand up and walk. I haven't been able to do that. You see, he had these little slights of hands and these little things. There is one thing different between what God does and what Satan does that we need to be aware of. In his people. God performs miracles. Satan performs deception. Here were miracles being performed. Simon Magus wanted it. 
and they offered to buy this power. You see, there is corruptness in religion, just like there's corruptness in Mingo County politics. Or a few other places, perhaps. People who think that they can buy something. Tell you one thing that the scripture teaches very flatly. One does not buy from God, for he does not sell. He does not sell. God gives away. And that's the only way you can get anything from God, is to take it as a gift. If you're not saved this morning and you want to be saved, don't bring your dollars and put them in the offering plate because that's not going to make it. If you want to be saved this morning, don't come to church and thinking that sitting in a, in a group of Christian people or within the walls of a church that's been dedicated to God brings some kind of salvation to you. Your conscience will be, will be sad over and you'll feel better. You might even feel saved, but you won't be saved. Because it is not what we do that brings salvation. It's what God does and it's a gift. And all we've got to do is accept it, receive it. Simon Magus wanted to buy it. And he found out that it was not for sale. And Peter says to him in verse 21, he says, your heart is not right. Oh, but I was baptized. But your heart's still not right. I'm a member of the church. Your heart's still not right. He said in verse 23, you're still in the bonds of iniquity. You still belong to Satan. It makes no difference about your membership and your baptism. See, Simon had not repented. He had not said to God, Lord God, I'm sorry for my sins. Forgive me. He had not said to the Lord Jesus on the cross, Lord, I receive from you salvation for my soul. Peter said, Thy money perish with thee, Simon. Because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast not, uh, uh, thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter. For thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent therefore of this thy wickedness and pray, God, if perhaps the thoughts of thine heart may be forgiven thee. For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Listen. Peter put it to him pretty straight. Now this is one of the things we fail, fail in doing too often. The church doesn't paint it as it is too often. There are some definite blacks and whites in this world, and I know there's lots of grays, but when it comes to one's salvation, there is no gray area. Either one is saved or one is lost. And there is no in-between. And Peter made it very plain to Simon, you are under the control of Satan. Now I think that we can say without question this morning 
that one is either under the control of Satan or he's under the control of God and there's no place in between. You either belong to Satan or you belong to God. If you belong to God, you're on your way to heaven. But if you belong to Satan, you're doomed for hell. And there is no gray to speak of in the matter. Well, this shook Simon up. Or did it? Simon says to Peter, Will you pray for me that I don't have all this happen that you say is going to happen to me? You pray for me. Pray for yourself. Why ask me to pray for you, Simon Magus? Pray for yourself. You see, nobody is saved upon the prayer of somebody else. Nobody gets saved because I pray or because you pray. A person only gets saved because he prays himself. And the prayer that he's got to pray is, God be merciful to me. Forgive the sins and save my soul. That's the only prayer. And until that prayer is prayed, a person is not going to be saved and he's going to be continuing in the bonds of iniquity just like Simon, Simon Magus. He did not pray for himself. Now all he really wanted to do was escape the consequences of his sin. He didn't want to quit his sin. He had no sorrow. He felt no guilt. Do you know a person will not be saved until he realizes he's guilty and acknowledges it? Sort of like Pharaoh. When Moses and Aaron had performed the miracles and got Pharaoh all shook up, he finally said he acknowledged the superiority of their God and that the people could go. And when they got themselves all geared up to go, he changed his mind. I have had people say that very thing to me on one night. They'll say, I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And the next time I talk to them, they say, I've changed my mind. We have, everyone has the privilege of changing his mind. God will not force salvation upon anybody. And Simon was one who only wanted to escape the consequences of his sin, he was not about to change his mind or to change his life. Now, it's interesting to me that after verse 24, where we stopped reading, there is no response recorded from Peter back to him. Maybe we don't have the response. Maybe we don't know what Peter said. But I honestly believe that Peter said nothing. Peter had made his point, and it's now up to Simon Magus to make a decision. Peter was silent. Not because he wasn't silent because he ought not to pray for Simon Magus. He was silent because forgiveness is impossible until a person prays for himself. The scripture says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He wants people to be saved. 
But God is not going to force any man to be saved. Simon's repentance was absence was absent. He was in the gall of bitterness. And you know, even the prayer of Jesus himself could not have saved Simon Magus. I read years ago, I did a study on this man because I was interested in him. I can't repeat it all to you this morning. Simon Magus was never saved. He just pretended to be at one time. He finally ended up becoming so radical that he was teaching that he himself was God. At one point he taught that he was the husband of Mary who was the mother of Jesus. He became so radical that he believed that he could perform anything. He was not going to let Jesus outdo him. And he went to the, the pinnacle of the temple in Jerusalem and shouted to the people down below, I can fly, I can fly. And off the temple he went to prove to the people that he was mighty God. And that was his last. For he could not fly. Watch out for Simon Magus. That person who puts up a beautiful front for a while, makes all kinds of pretenses, claims salvation by church membership and by baptism and by all of those things that are called good and moral, but whose life is not right with God because he has never said, I'm sorry for my sins, I repent, and I want to be saved. Many a person goes out into eternity because he's unwilling to heed the warning that Peter gave to Simon the magician and repent. This morning is a day of repentance, maybe for some of you. If you have never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, I don't care about your baptism. I don't care about your church membership. As we have pointed out, and I hope you understand, that doesn't save anybody. What saves is whether or not you have received the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and any man that hears my voice and will open the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. I believe earnestly that God has placed in every person's heart in this world an awareness of the supremacy of God. There's not a person here this morning that does not believe in God or else you would not be here. But to believe in God and not receive His Son as your Savior is still eternal damnation. Will you not receive Him as Lord and Savior? See the sign. Watch out. But you don't go the same way. Simon the Magician. That we pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.